Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Table Talk, discussions of church, theology, and culture. My name is Luke. I am the family and ministry coordinator here at CBC Elderton. With me, as always, is our lead pastor, Andrew Hall. This is now week four in our series on the atonement, Andrew. We've been going for a little while now, talking about the really the most important part of the Christian life, talking about the cross as we lead up to Easter Sunday, which for those of you listening will be coming up very, very soon. We've spent three weeks now sort of diving in deep and thinking a lot about what the atonement is, where we find it, what are the theories about it, which theories do we think are the best. And now this week, we want to turn things in a bit more of a practical direction. We've talked a lot of theory. We've talked a lot of theology, Andrew. Now we want to speak with our listeners a little bit this week uh, about the the practical application. How does the cross actually affect our day-to-day life? This will be our next two episodes. Uh, Next week, particularly, we'll we'll think about how our lives change and how we live in light of the cross. But for this week, uh, in episode four of our series, we want to talk about the benefits of the cross. And so, best way to start that conversation, I think, Andrew, is for me to just throw the question to you. Uh, what are the benefits of the cross? It's, it's like, what isn't the benefit? <laughs> right. Um, you know, when, when you start off with, with this idea that the cross really is, Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians 2, I wanted to know nothing while I was among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. When you start to drill down into what did the cross do for us? What are its benefits? I immediately go to Ephesians 1 because Paul, Paul has one long run-on sentence mm-hmm. in Ephesians 1 beginning in verse 3. And he says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing or every blessing of the spirit we could translate it Mm as uh, in the heavenly places. And then he goes on and he just starts listing them. And it's like, once he starts listing them, he just can't stop. It's hard to stop. And if I was his English teacher, it would be like, Paul, you got to break this sentence up. It's just going on. But he's, he's just, his heart is singing. He's just soaring. And so he starts off by talking about how we're loved, we're adopted, we're chosen. um, And all of this is done. uh, He says in him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, that he lavished on us. And so here we start to get this picture that the cross is not some sort of uh, just side benefit or, or something that just gets you into the Christian life, but the cross is the benefit that keeps giving over and over and over because what we need, uh, we need this sense that, that God is profoundly for us. And if there is ever a way that God shows us that he is infinitely for us, it's by the cross. Mm -hmm. And he just keeps giving us grace upon grace upon grace. He floods our lives with his favor. He shows us his love. Those moments where we wonder, well, I know that God forgives me, but maybe deep down, he's still just kind of low grade disappointed with me. Mm -hmm. We, We look to the cross and we think, no, there's there's not this sense that that God is still he's he's got this lingering sense of oh here we go again they failed 
Oh, another confession. When will they get it right? No, it's like the, the fact that we struggle and fight against sin our whole lives, it, it's only a reminder that the benefits of the cross keep coming to us over and over. You're forgiven. You're loved. You're accepted. You're adopted. You have an inheritance. You have a future. You have no condemnation. There's no guilt. And over and over, I, I just think the, the benefits, not only spiritually, but psychologically, emotionally, if we could really drill down into the depths of what the cross accomplishes, the, the state of well-being that it would give us, mm-hmm. the, the, the way that it would affect our lives. We'll talk about that next time, but, but the way that it would affect our lives in terms of how we would live, it, it would utterly transform us because the cross then becomes this, this focus where, where God's power, all of God's power is working for our good. And if, if I were to summarize the benefit of the cross, most simply and most basically, it's that. It's, it's that every problem that we have because of sin, because of our, our disobedience, because of our alienation, because of the record that we've got, because of, of the guilt that we, ha- that we bear, what we find is we're now in right relationship with God and we can have right relationship with others. Uh, Ephesians 2 will talk about that, that what God did by sending his own son is that he made the, the two groups, Jew and Gentile, he made them one. Uh, so there's, there's even a sense in which the cross can bring reconciliation between different people groups. There's forgiveness that comes. All those things that the devil wants to bring to your mind um, when you've done wrong, you can say, well, Luther would say this. He would say he, he had this, this vision, this dream, I guess, of, of the devil coming to him and accusing him. And he said, yes, all those things are true. But one thing you've forgotten, the blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed me from all unrighteousness. And that just cleanses your conscience and it gives you peace so that Hebrews can talk about that you have a clean conscience mm-hmm. and you can come boldly before God in prayer. And so all of those things just start to work out because this is what Christ does. And this is exactly why all of scripture is really focused on the cross, whether it's the Old Testament looking forward to the cross, whether it's the New Testament looking back to the cross, you'll, you'll find uh, as you dig deep into scripture, pretty much no matter where you are, it's pointing to the cross, either forward or backward. And really this is why all of history points to the cross as well. There's, there's really truly nothing more important. Sin had caused so many different problems, so many different issues. We've talked about many of those over the last three weeks. And at the cross, every single one of those is addressed perfectly for us. And what a gift, what a joy. We're very grateful for the grace of our God in the cross. But we, of course, Andrew, are often selfish people. We, mm-hmm. we think a lot about ourselves. And if there's one thing we've seen over the course of history, it's that we, we love in the church to try to make things about ourselves. And while it is true that, that the work of the cross was for us in, in many ways, that we, we benefit from it and that it redeemed us as God's people, I think if, if we're not careful, we can very easily turn the cross into something that is just about us, or maybe even primarily about us. And that, that's maybe not, not the most helpful way to, to think about things. And so is there a danger of making the cross something that is primarily centered on us? Absolutely, because the emphasis of scripture, 
Uh, a few weeks ago, I wrote an e-bulletin about, about the nature of the cross. And when you consider what the cross accomplishes, um, the New Testament actually has a number of pictures, a number of comments, a number of statements that show us that the cross is actually doing something cosmic. Mm-hmm. It's, it's doing something profound. It's beyond you and me. So Jesus is learning obedience through suffering. He is, he is fulfilling all righteousness. He, he is going to the cross uh, first and foremost out of his love that he has for his father. Yeah. And, and so there is this perfect harmony. We talked about this last week. Yeah. There's a perfect harmony in the triune God that the, the cross is, is something that God chooses. Uh, it, it's, it's his plan and it's, his joy, Hebrews 12, 2, I go back to that passage, who for the joy set before him endured the cross and and he despises its shame. And, and as a result of that, he is willing to take on all of the all of the humiliation, all of the disregard, all of the all of the punishment to show how much he as the son loves the father. And as a result of that, the other aspect of this is that we need we need to be reconciled to God, but in one sense, God does need to be reconciled to us. Yeah. That we talked last week about propitiation, that God's God's wrath against sin has to be dealt with. We want God to deal with sin. We we absolutely want him to deal with sin. Otherwise, this universe would be unbearable if yeah. he just ignored it. It would mean injustice would go on, but God deals with evil first by pouring out his wrath to punish sinners. He he deals with sin and, and we want him to be a just God. And so we need God in one sense to be reconciled to us by having his wrath removed. And the son does that. The son joyfully in partnership with the father works together to ensure that, that what he does is he shows this is what perfect love looks like. This is what the love between father and son has always been. And as a result of that, it gives us an enormous picture that when the cross comes into the into uh, into redemptive history, we have got this great display of how awesome and loving our God is. And that really is the starting place that even before anything comes to us, it is the outworking of the love that God has as father and son by the spirit. Yeah, there are so many benefits that the cross gives to us, but we we aren't the center of the universe. We aren't the most important people in the story as human beings. And it's helpful for us to recognize that even as we we love and delight in and are so thankful for the, the benefits that are given to us. So we've talked about those benefits a little bit, and now we want to talk a bit about how specifically the cross accomplishes those things. So there are all these benefits that the atonement has taken place. What, what actually happened? What is the actual mechanism by which these things happen? And one of the things we want to talk about here is this idea of active and passive mm-hmm. obedience on the part of Jesus. So Andrew, last week you would have spoken briefly about this idea that there's so much more to the cross than just forgiveness. It's very true when we think about the cross, forgiveness is a huge element where our sins are forgiven. 
our, our slate is wiped clean. That's very important. But as you uh, so rightly pointed out, just having the slate wiped clean is, is it only gets you so far, really. Mm-hmm. When we stand at the judgment seat, the, the thing that gets people into heaven isn't a blank slate. It's, it's, it's righteousness. It's the fulfillment of the law. It's perfect righteousness is what is required. And so if our sins are forgiven, but we still don't have righteousness, then that, that really doesn't help us very much. And that's where this concept of the active and passive obedience of Jesus, I think is really helpful. When we think of the passive obedience, that's really where the forgiveness comes from. We think of this idea that Jesus on the cross bore the wrath that we deserved. The, the father's wrath is poured out on the cross and it is, is taken off of us and put on Christ. Our sins are, we'll talk about this in a bit, imputed to Jesus, but also Jesus did a lot more for us than just die on the cross on one day in his life. Mm -hmm. Scripture is very clear that Jesus spent his entire life doing something amazing for us. And that was obeying the law perfectly, being a perfectly righteous man. There's many places in scripture. I think of when uh, when John the Baptist wanted to, well, didn't want to baptize Jesus. Jesus wanted him to. And he said, no, no, you, you should be baptizing me, not the, uh, the other way around. Jesus said, this is, this is necessary for us to fulfill all righteousness. There was this, uh, this idea all throughout Jesus's life that he, he obeyed God perfectly. All of the descriptions of a perfect man throughout scripture are completely unattainable to any of us, but Jesus fulfilled all of those. There was not a single law he broke actively. There was not a single law he failed to keep passively or by omission. Jesus was perfect through his entire life and thus obeyed the law fully and completely earned righteousness fully and completely. And that active obedience is also imputed to us. So it isn't necessarily that Jesus just died to forgive our sins. He actually gave us so much more. He actually gave us Mm. his perfect righteousness. And this is why we use the language of being clothed in Christ's righteousness. And so listener, as we move forward, thinking about how the cross accomplishes and gives us all of these benefits, we want to have that sense in mind the active and passive obedience of Jesus, the fact that not only are our sins forgiven, but we are also given perfect righteousness. We should clarify here. It's it's very obvious when we talk about active righteousness, obedience is an, an activity. It's yeah. There's an activeness to it, but we might get the sense that the passiveness of, of the passive righteousness uh, or the pass, yeah, passive obedience we might get the wrong sense by that word passive. Yeah, true. So we, we do need to make it clear that what is implied here is, is the passion, which is the suffering of Christ. Yeah. It's, it's not as though he was inactive or as we like to use the word passive, we think of someone who is just being acted upon, yeah. but it's more that sense of the passion that was going on, For the, sure. the death, the suffering of Christ. Absolutely. And so Andrew, then now we want to think a little bit more about how the cross accomplishes and gives us the, all the benefits we talked mm-hmm. about earlier. What are some, some important things that you would say to that? So uh, as, as you talked about, there's this imputation that goes on. Yeah. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21, he who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So 
what happens is we give him, well, we, we do, we do bring something to the table yeah. when, when we uh, come to saving faith, there is something we do. It's called sin. Yeah. We, we bring a lot of sin. <laughs> we yeah. bring a lot of sin and we give it to him. And this is what confession and repentance is. And he gives us his righteousness mm-hmm. and it's called the great exchange. And, and so what happens then is how we start to enjoy the benefits of the cross is we start by, we remember all that God has done for us by living a, with a clear conscience. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a joy in having a clear conscience. Uh, so much of our anxiety that we suffer in this age, we can worry about if I'm caught because I've done wrong or if I, I worry about things because I'm uncertain about my standing. Uh, it just creates a, an enormous sense of anxiety, of guilt. And what the cross can do, it, it can begin to address these areas of our lives where we feel unsettled, uncertain. And so it's not merely that we're talking about a theory. We're talking about a relationship. Yeah. And, and a relationship uh, has to be rooted in this sense that, that we are loved, that someone is for us, they're working for our good, they want our best, they want to see our success, that we've got a bright future ahead of us. And that's exactly what the cross does, is it allows you in this present age, in all of the sufferings, in all of the hardships, you can look at all of your difficulties and you can go, this is no indication that God doesn't love me Mm -hmm. just because I'm going through a hard time. I, I say this often, just because you suffer, it doesn't mean that God has rejected you. It means that he's disciplining you as a son or a daughter because he loves you. He doesn't let his kids just run and play wild. He is forming and shaping them to be wise, to be prepared to rule the, the new heavens and new earth with, with his son. And he's, he's got a glorious future ahead of us. And, and in order to attain that glorious future, we have this short period of time, however long the Lord would give us life as we live by faith and, and repentance, that we have this short period of time where this training ground is going on that we would learn to love God, to know God. And then we will have all of eternity where we will be working out these things. And so the, the, how we enjoy the benefits of the cross is simply learning to live in light of what he has done for us that is going to happen for all of eternity. It's really the application of eternity here and now. And we're only just beginning to taste what eternity looks like, which is why Paul can talk about if anyone is in Christ, this is 2 Corinthians 5, 17. He is a new creation. The expectation is that we are going to experience the fullness of a world without sin. And right now we start to experience the glories of heaven by being a people who live in light of the cross. As we live in light of the cross, what happens is eternity now comes to us. Eternity begins to shape us. Eternity, it, it, it equips us so that we can say, like Paul says, these, these light and momentary afflictions are, are outweighed for us because they're producing for us the eternal weight of glory. Mm-hmm. And that's what the cross does, is it says there's something greater that lies ahead. So let's press on. Let's not give up. Let's endure. We've tasted eternity. This is Hebrews 6. We've tasted eternity. How can we go back on that? 
let's press forward. If you were to boil it down all the way, I've, I've heard it. I've heard the question asked, how do I know that God loves me? And the, by far the easiest answer to that is to say, look at the cross. There's no greater example of God's love for, for you, Christian, than, than what was accomplished for you there. So may, may we all, especially when we are tempted to feel or to fear or to be anxious about God's displeasure with us, may, may we continue to, to look to the cross and see that, that amazing grace and love that he gives to us. We're going to spend next week, and next week will be our final episode, number five of five, then thinking about how atonement, how the cross affects what we do in everyday life. So we're we're going to get to the most practical episode of all, and we look forward to having many of you joining us then. Have a wonderful week, everybody. Mm